everyone. Welcome back to the Queens of Social Work podcast. I'm your co-host, Queen P. And I'm your co-host, Queen H. We invite you all to join us this week as we share, laugh, cry, and learn through our experiences as women of color who happen to be social workers. The upcoming episode will include sensitive content and may trigger some of you. Please feel free to skip this episode or parts of it as needed. April is Sexual Assault Awareness Month. According to Reliance.org, millions of people have shared hashtag MeToo stories about sexual harassment and assault. Now, the facts behind the movement are available in a landmark study released by the nonprofit organization Stop Street Harassment. The study found that 81% of women and 43% of men experience sexual harassment and assault in the United States. The study was conducted in partnership with Reliance, a national collaborative committed to ending sexual violence in one generation, and the UC San Diego Center on Gender Equity and Health. GFK conducted the 2,000-person nationally representative survey in January 2018. Today, we are speaking with Sandra Jordan, also known as Queen S, who is a New York City licensed clinical social worker with over 20 years of experience with individuals and families dealing with depression, grief, anxiety, trauma, abuse, and so on. In addition to her private practice, she is also a senior supervisor in the emergency department, and she's a victim services coordinator in a city hospital. In this role as victims services coordinator, she provides staff education on domestic violence, sexual assault, elder abuse, human trafficking, and child abuse, maltreatment, and neglect. Welcome, Queen Ness. Thank you for being here. Hi. Thank you for having me. Wonderful. Yay. Welcome. Welcome. Thank so, you. <laughs> Queen S, do you remember how and when you met Queen P? Yes. Approximately three years ago, she was my supervisor, and she taught me so much. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yes. If you could see us, we're making hearts with our hands. <laughs> yes. Okay, so tell me about when you met Queen H. Did you meet Queen H before me? No. Yes. Really? Yes, we met because remember we had social work interns and remember yes. we had so we met once before. Yes, once before. Mm-hmm. Yes. I thought you guys might have met on a level, because I know you were trying to get all your dollars, Queen S. Mm-hmm. You were not trying to come to where we were, because you were trying to get your stuff together. And That's so right. I thought that you and Queen H had met, you know, in passing. Mm-hmm. In that okay. No. Mm-hmm. no. It was before when the, um, the interns, because of the way the program was, so wherever there were social workers, the supervisors kind of got together. Yes. Ahead mm-hmm. of time. So we met one time during that time. And then we met when uh, we was uh, trying to bring her over to our side. We had to recruit that. Yes, when, yes. When we <laughs> was plucking her over to our side. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So today we're talking about sexual assault. April is Sexual Assault Awareness Month. And sexual assault, as we know, is um, it can be difficult to talk about. Mm-hmm. So before we jump into the meat and potatoes, we talked a little bit about what setting you're in. You're in the emergency room. You're in uh, victim services, you're in private practice. So can you tell us about what population you work with and what are your credentials? So I work with everyone. I work with doctors, lawyers, um, homeless, uh, substance abusers, everyone from 
male, female, and the LGBTQIA community. I am a licensed clinical social worker, and that's it. So thank you for um, letting us know um, your background and the work that Mm -hmm. you do and who you work with. So can you tell us what um, sexual assault, sexual abuse, and rape are? And is there a difference? So yes, it's the difference. And You know, I really want to thank both of you in advance and let you know I appreciate all that you've taught me thus far in this field of abuse, um, the various types of abuse. So sexual assault is inappropriately touching, penetration of any nature without consent. This includes, you know, drug facilitated sexual assault. And what was interesting about that also is if you tell somebody they can't use a condom or they can't use contraceptives, that's also considered sexual assault. And even if you tell them or force them to watch pornography, that's also considered a sexual assault. Sexual assault does not have to be violent. It doesn't have to be a violent act. It can be um, with your partner. If you say I have a headache and I don't want to engage in sexual intercourse today and they either coerce you or force you or you know just wear you down and make you do it, that's considered sexual assault. Now, sexual abuse is usually when we talk about children and, you know, adults inappropriately touching, forcing children to touch them or vice versa, forcing them to engage in movies of, you know, them doing sexual acts to be in these movies. Children cannot give consent. Um, It doesn't matter if a 12-year-old look like she's 16, 17 years old, 18 years old, she cannot give consent. The age of consent varies state to state, anywhere from 16 to 18. In New York, the age of consent is 17. And then we have rape. So now rape, I had to look up because a lot of times we use sexual assault and rape interchangeably. So according to the FBI, um, rape is penetration no matter how slight of the vagina or anus with any bodily part or object or oral penetration by a sex organ or another person without consent. Um, A lot of times when you hear people talk about rape, it usually is like violent. And with all three, it could be with a stranger or somebody you know, somebody you're familiar with. One doesn't have to be with a stranger. That could be across the board. Thank you. Thank you for um, providing um, some context or some clarity on the definitions of them, because I think, you know, this is murky water sometimes Mm -hmm. and people don't understand the difference or that there is a difference and that you can be sexually assaulted and not be raped. Right. And I think that's the biggest thing because people only focus on the rape aspect of sexual assault and not the fact that if someone touches you inappropriately and that make, or makes you feel uncomfortable, that that is assault. (laughs) You know what I mean? And so I think that because this is Sexual Assault Awareness Month, I think this is why we felt it was important to discuss this because people need to be clear on what it is. And that Mm -hmm. even when you talk about sexual assault, and I remember giving trainings about the different types and that I would Mm -hmm. put also a subcategory about male sexual assault. And the reason why there's a subcategory of male sexual assault is because that's underreported. Yes. And people, a lot of people do not believe that males can be sexually assaulted. And it's like, are you serious? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 2022. Come on. So behind the times. 
And, and the fact that men can be sexually assaulted by women, people only think yes. about men being sexually assaulted by other men, but men can be sexually assaulted by women. And mm-hmm. so people think that because this, the man's penis became erect, that he somehow enjoyed it. But that is also a natural body function that can happen. Yes, correct. Right? Mm-hmm. And can be manipulated. So at the same token, you know, I think people need to have awareness and education about it so that they can support people around them because molestation the stats on molestation are very is very high right Mm -hmm. you know I think it's like one in five girls and then one in eight or one in nine your boys and to me that's a lot that's Mm -hmm. not sure so that means so many people we know if you have 20 30 friends yes Mm -hmm. you already know a handful of them something has happened or could have happened to them even having a basic awareness about it is important so that we know how to support the people around us. I agree, Queen H. There's two things that I want to piggyback on what you said. The first thing with just acknowledging that being touched inappropriately is assault. People tend to focus more on the rape because of the violence that's usually attached, right? And the cause for rape is power and control. And even with assault, you're still using your body, your ears, your mouth, what it is you may say to somebody, how it is you may interact with them, how you may gaze. Damn, can I get my food out the fridge? Why are you over here? Okay. Just in the way you interact with people, assault can look like so many different things. And so I'm glad you broke that down. The other thing you said was that even if you have a room full of friends, you know, how many people out of that room full of friends has had this experience? And this is something that is underreported, underdiscussed in the Caribbean community, particularly. I would even say in the Southern community, right? Among Blacks and Browns in this country. You know, Uncle Jimmy is touching people. We don't want Uncle Jimmy to be at the barbecue, but we still let Uncle Jimmy come because he's family, okay? Or you don't want to be alone with Uncle Jimmy because you know Uncle Jimmy likes to touch up people and ting, but you know, we're going to keep an eye on Uncle Jimmy. Why, why haven't we banned Uncle Jimmy yet? We banned R. Kelly, right? We banned all these people who do all these things that are inappropriate. This cancel culture out here who's saying, no, we're not supposed to tolerate this. This is a problem. Zero tolerance. Now we got to impact people's livelihood. So what's up with Uncle Jimmy? Why he here? And he did it to your mama, your sister, your mama's sister, your auntie, your cousin, them. Everybody know about Uncle Jimmy, but he's still invited to the cookout. But the problem is, right, because of the lack of understanding and awareness, look how long it took for r kelly to be brought to a reckoning right oh yes come on when we were younger you we heard the rumors of him being with Aaliyah and all this kind of stuff and we were just like oh you know we were younger so we just like okay well this is what happens not really understanding like this man been doing stuff for the longest being a teenager and watching the sex tape being a teenager and hearing or a young person age ain't nothing but a number um, hello, it is, a, it it is, is something, okay, hello, especially if their <laughs> age is under 18, okay, hello, and honestly, I would beg to even consider, like, you know, if a grown person is dating someone under 21, that's a problem, mm-hmm. because I still feel like 18, 19, and 20, they're children, <laughs> yeah, because listen, in New York, you can be in foster care till you're 21, okay, and you, they consider you a foster child, not a foster adult, a foster child okay so i mean child there's a lot 
It is a lot. Um, Cause R. Kelly ain't the only one, you know, he's the one who's paid the cost thus far. Um, Bill Cosby. Oh, Cosby. Mm-hmm. Epstein, Harvey. What's Harvey last name? Weinstein. Mm-hmm. Okay. Them. A lot of people with nastiness. A lot of people with nastiness. Exactly. See, exactly. My partner and I were talking about um, older guys. You used to come from the high school or from college up to the middle school or some famous rappers dating a famous person when they were younger, since they were young. Mm-hmm. But nobody ain't talking about that. Mm. Okay. Because Listen. they married. And we ain't saying no names because we don't want to get sued. But you know what I'm saying. <sighs> Not that they listening to us. But one day we have a dream of being big. That's right. No, we are big already. Oh, we are big. We are big. Sorry. That's right. You are big. big That's right. We're big, big time. time. But I worry. Yeah. You know, all the names we just mentioned look at people of money, power, influence. Uh-huh. And we can only assume that these young girls are innocent and, you know, not old enough to consent and that they're victims and not even the word victim. I got to find a better word, but you know what I mean? In terms mm-hmm. of the context, people with influence can wield their influence over people who don't have influence and marginalize people. Yep. So does that, you know, is that why we turn a blind eye? Mm. Because we selling Keisha and Lisa because Harvey got money and Harvey could pay mama the bills. Mm-hmm. and people got access to resources that we don't normally have so we have to you know go along to get along I hear a lot of times some young people's parents telling them you know go find you an athlete what about that song have a baby by me be a millionaire mm. you know so all right you know they encourage it some of them do encourage their child to go out there and meet that you know basketball player that football player get me a house there's so many layers to this conversation that it's it's so nuanced yeah it's so nuanced you know and I don't know if we'll be able to get to all those things in this conversation but Queen S as a service provider do you consciously think about the intersection of who you are black female etc and what role it plays in how you deliver services so for me when I initially started working um, with sexual assault victims it was difficult for me to hear what they had to say, listen to the details because of my religious background. And that was always something that was always taboo. You just didn't discuss sex. You just didn't discuss it. So now I'm faced with, I have to talk to someone and listen to all these painful details. I felt like I was peeping into their personal lives and that I shouldn't be there because it was very uncomfortable for me. Thank God I've grown a little bit um, and it's a little easier. Um, I can work with them. I can empathize with them. I can, you know, provide them with resources, you know, help them. Um, And it's not, you know, bad for me when dealing with these victims or these patients. I understand. Um, I think, you know, because in America, um, itself that sexuality is very taboo Mm -hmm. and then I think also in the black community and I can only speak from being black that depending on your upbringing no one is talking about sex and so they're not even talking about calling genitalia by the real name right vagina penis all of those things right Mm -hmm. we got name pocketbook 
your cookie. Peter. Yes, all this. Peter. Your, your wee-wee, your pee-pee. And that starts kids off on a bad note because then if something happens to them and they go tell someone, oh, my someone's hand was in my pocketbook, the teacher, the mm-hmm. counselor, they're not going to know unless they're unless they there's some cultural competency correct Mm -hmm. and in our schools a lot of times unless it's a all black neighborhood or all Mm -hmm. hispanic neighborhood you're having a lot of caucasian teachers yes right Mm -hmm. um and so they may not understand the context of somebody's hand was in my pocketbook right and so then they can't even report what someone did to me uh, because of that. And so I understand what you were saying, because it can feel like a window into someone's personal life. And I think mm-hmm. it, there comes a realization that when someone's assaulted, this ain't their personal life no more. Right. True. Somebody mm-hmm. infringed on their personal space. And so now we have to help them regain that um ownership over their body over themselves that agency because someone has now tried to take that away and so um I wouldn't say that you a little bit evolve you a lot of bit evolve I know that uh, <laughs> firsthand mm-hmm. um from that and you know how we show up is so important in the work that we do with mm-hmm. the victim or survivor right because Correct. it all depends on how they feel or identify mm-hmm. at that time they may identify at that time as the victim but later on as a survivor right mm-hmm. because they were able to transition in the process and if we can't handle it it'll come mm-hmm. across right, right. and mm-hmm. so the processing that we have to do in support of them especially as black and brown folk is to understand like we may be the first space where mm-hmm. they can open and talk very openly about, you know, what happened to them, mm-hmm. even historical uh, views of sexuality, of gender, mm-hmm. of what is allowed and what is not. And so I think that's important that you bring that up because it's true. Sometimes if you grow up religious, you're not talking about sex, and even to talk about your genitalia, especially for females, can be wrong. Mm-hmm. It's okay for the boys, right? but it's not okay for women, right? Because you're unclean or whatever, because mm-hmm. you have your menstrual cycle and all mm-hmm. of this. So you can equate that this assault is like talking about the personal, and it's like, mm-hmm. no. So I get it. I get it. Thank you for sharing that. And so, um, what do our listeners need to know about sexual violence? So I think the biggest thing that has stood out for me since doing this part of my career with the sexual assault victims and you know survivors, it is not their fault. We need to stop blaming the people who are being sexually assaulted, raped, you know, molested. I hate to hear oh, well, she went to his um, hotel room in the middle of the night, so she had to expect that they was going to have sex. No, no means no. And we have to stop blaming the victim, survivors. We have to stop, you know, the child, okay, she looks older than her age. Oh, she wanted that. No, a grown man or woman cannot, well, they do it because of the power and control they want over, you know, someone that they feel that they can control, 
but it's not the child's fault. And a lot of the times we blame the child. Oh, she shouldn't have sat on his lap. Oh, she shouldn't have, you know, gave him a kiss or a hug. You know, it's not their fault. And that that's something I think is, you know, society as a whole need to stop doing. And then also you said earlier was just because your body reacts doesn't mean this is what you wanted. It's a biological response, you know. I wholeheartedly agree. I think the only person you can blame for an assault is the MF who's touching somebody, is the MF who's whipping out their whatever, is the MF who's putting bottles and God knows what into people's body and orifices. That's the only person to blame. And, you know, when I worked in the ED, for those of you who don't know what an ED is, it stands for emergency department. And when I worked in the ED, at a particularly busy institution, I used to keep track of all of the domestic violence cases, sexual assault cases, elder abuse cases. I guess, you know, to some degree, I was victim service coordinating, but they didn't want to give me no money and no title. Okay. Anyhow, so we would have to track all of these patients and we would have to follow up and track down and see what's going on. And hey, we referred you to this service. Did you follow up? You know, did you whatever? And one day the spirit hit me to just run a stats report. Like we have all these names, right? All these ages. Who are these people? So I started to run stats. And, you know, I also added my experience into that because I was tracking the numbers for the department. And the majority of people who came in for service were Black and were between the ages of 18 and 35. Most of them came in on a Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night, Monday mm-hmm. morning. And they came in status post, a little Hennessy, or too much Hennessy, some perks, some Molly, some mm-hmm. E, some scissor, um, God knows what, mm-hmm. what all using at the time. And a lot of it was tough because these girls, these patients, these women, a lot of them had a similar circumstance, right? When you're doing a biopsychosocial assessment and you're finding out people's background and how they come to be, what's their experience in life like? You find a lot of patterns. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also this use of substances that lowers people's inhibitions, right? But there's also those predators out there that have full responsibility for the shit they're doing too, right? If your job is to drive an Uber, drive the fucking Uber, okay? Don't pull over nowhere and got somebody in your backseat doing God knows what, and then taking pictures and video and all kind of thing. Dead wrong. I would tell anybody, and I know we didn't get to the advice segment yet, but I would tell anybody, please always, you know, take a screenshot when you're getting into Uber, when you're ordering a Lyft or any kind of car service, take a screenshot of the person, that picture that comes up after you've ordered the car, right? It has, it's supposed to have the picture of their face, their license plate number, send that to somebody so that they can know the last person you was with, okay? Always, and I know people say this all the time, but anytime you order a car service, you need to ask who they're picking up, who they're talking, who they're looking for. Because the last thing you would expect after, you know, you think, okay, I've had a few drinks or I've had a few whatever. I'm about to go home in this ride and be safe, 
right? Sometimes people don't even do car share because they want to ensure their safety. So they're not going to get in a car with two or three other people. They're going to get in a car with just them and the driver. Get me to and from where I need to go. They're making the right choice. They're trying to do the responsible thing by saying, let me not drive. Let me get a ride. And then these are the people who are taking it upon themselves to violate others. And you're right, Queen H, you know, in terms of violating people and taking away their agency and just leaving them broken. The way in which you're violated after an assault, you can't feel whole after that. It changes your life and it changes the trajectory of your life. And sometimes you come across a patient, a client who's not only been there once, but has been assaulted multiple times. And the wounds never go away, but then here we are again. And it's not anything that the person who's experienced the assault is doing or has done, right? Because you're not asking to be assaulted. You're not asking to be violated. But when it happens again and again, it impacts and the effects are long lasting. And so it's very, very important to, um, to get yourself into treatment, to follow up in an emergency room immediately after, as soon as you can. Um, some people I know um, have had experiences They've been assaulted for a period of time. They can be assaulted every day, every other day, every few hours. They're not able to get out. And we'll give you guys some resources in order to, um, to share that with your loved ones or tips you can use to make, escape or move around uh, once you're able to. But absolutely, um, you guys take care of yourselves as best you can. Um, I lost my train of thought. There's so much in my mind. It's a heavy topic. And that it happens. It is, right? Yeah. And, and I think heavy. because mm-hmm. we all worked in the ED emergency department, right? Mm-hmm. And doing crisis intervention, mm-hmm. um, I think sometimes you're at a loss for words because of everything that you have seen. So it's a lot to process and what to say. And there's so much that came up in my mind when you just said this, right? Um, one, it's like, why I have to take a screenshot of the taxi service and the taxi man can't just take me where it, where I need to as go. a woman, right? I, I'm not safe. And we're not saying that men do not get assaulted. That happens. But by far, because we're, we're seen as the weaker species, like people find themselves preying on us often. Like I saw this video of this man trying to sexually assault a woman in Walmart, in the middle of Walmart. And some men had to come to her aid and punch this man out and hold him till the police came. Like in the Walmart, like you walking in Walmart shopping and somebody grab you up and pull down Mm. your panty drawers, okay? What? That's horrible. In the middle of Walmart. Why should we have to be unsafe? But it is true that we have to watch ourselves. Right, we have to have a taser, we have to have pepper spray, we have to know self defense, we have to put keys in between our fingers because it's a this is why hashtag me too is coming there because we're trying to change the culture of men are allowed to do these things or people are allowed to do these. It's not okay, nobody, everybody, keep your hands to yourself, please ask permission to touch someone, please just leave people them alone. Okay. And just because I'm your wife or your husband does not mean I have to perform every time you feel I need to perform. It's my body. I can you say don't no. own it. 
just because you married, you don't, you know the amount of married people we done seen in the place. Like what? Mm. Oh, it's yes. just yes. so much mm-hmm. that comes up with it. And I think part of even what Queen P is saying is what you said, Queen S, it's not your fault. That's the like that's the summation. Right. You basically said it is not your fault that people are not right and don't know how to behave themselves. Mm-hmm. It's not your fault that some of the laws are behind the time that allow some people to get away with this foolishness. It's not your fault that people are so close-minded to think that men cannot be abused or assaulted or whatever. Like, it's just, it's not your fault. Mm-hmm. And that there are resources out there. Mm-hmm. That's a perfect segue to talk about resources. So what are some resources we can tap into, Queen S? So there's the National Sexual Assault Hotline, 800-656-4673. And then there's Safe Horizon, 800-621-HOPE. And that's for domestic violence. And then for crime victims, it's 866-689-HELP. And then I located Ujima, U-J-I-M-A. And it's the National Center on Violence Against Women in the Black Community. And that's 844-77-UJIMA, U-J-I-M-A. Thank you. And we'll also include that in the show notes so that people will have it. And uh, when we post on IG about the episode, I think the other, you know, some of the other resources is the Family Justice Center. In New York, you have Savvy. Right. Uh, Savvy from Mount Sinai, Mount Sinai, Savvy, S-A-V-I. And so they're a good point of contact. So we can include that in the um, show notes. And just know that if you don't know where to go, you can go to your local emergency room. Yes. Right. Yes. And we also need to note, um, because I've seen this recently, um, they have to see you. And if you request a rape kit, they have to give it to you. They can't tell you no. So I had a client about a month ago say that this one hospital told them, we can't do a rape kit. Go to another hospital. They'll do it for you. Yeah, we had that before, yeah. Queen P. Yes. Remember that yes, happened? Yes, I with do. A... I had that case. What? But yes. also the doctor was a, mm. the doctor was crazy. So thank you for bringing that up, Queen S, so that we can run quickly through the process or the uh, resources available when you get to the ED. Can you run them for us, Queen S? Sure. So when you come to the emergency room, you let them know it was a sexual assault. Um, They will put in a consult for a social worker. They will also put in a consult for a safe examiner. And that's someone who um, is part of this team that come in, they do examination, they ask you extensive questions. They do the rape kit. Um, if you want to press charges, we'll call the police, as well as um, if you want prophylaxis medication to help prevent any kind of STIs or um, HIV, they will give that to you. Then we would refer you to Savvy um, if you want you know, treatment um, as far as therapy, someone to talk to, as well as um, I learned today, we have the virology clinic that we can also refer them to there. Um, once the client accept their prophylaxis. Right. HIV testing is also um, 
offered in the ED. Yes. And um, Plan B that is yes. available as uh -huh. well as PrEP and other medication. I think that they offer they offer medication for gonorrhea, chlamydia as well, um, just for exposure purposes. And the rape kit is not a medical procedure. It is the sole purpose of the rape kit is to collect evidence. You can have someone go into the emergency room or request a rape kit, but they do not have to take the medication. Um, pressing charges is solely the, um, I was gonna say solely, but I take that back. If the person does not have any significant physical injuries, they can decide if they wanna press charges or not. If the person has significant injuries, then the city will take up that um, case and they'll decide to press charges on that person's behalf. Because any way you look at it, sexual assault, rape, child abuse, that is a crime and should not be happening at all under any circumstances. But when they do happen, there are consequences for those types of behaviors. So anybody who got any bright ideas, turn off the light. There's no vision for your ideas, okay? Don't get no bright ideas. And for those of you who've experienced this um, or know someone or, you know, just to even have for future reference, you can always refer back to this episode. You can um, think fully now that you know the, what you can experience or expect to experience when you go into an emergency room setting. Um, you can think about it. You, ha you have the time. Um, I would also say if anybody's experienced a rape or sexual assault, do not shower before going to the ED. Even if you're thinking about getting a rape kit and you're not sure, it's okay to be unsure. But the most important thing is to get seen by a provider. So you do not shower, bring your underwear, your clothes, whatever it is that you have with you that you were wearing at the time, if you can, because that will be collected by the police along with the rape kit. Also know that um, although they cannot refuse to give you the rape kit, there's also a time frame in which they can collect evidence. So that's 72 to sometimes I think they can push 96 hours, but it's really 72. So it's imperative that if you have a friend who was assaulted, that you really encourage them to go to the ER and at least collect the evidence. They do not have to press charges. The ER will hold the kit, right? Initially, it was like a month and then it increased to five years, but I believe now they hold it up to like 20 years. I think they increased the time. So um, we just have to verify that, that number and we can put that in the show notes. But if I remember correctly, it's much longer than that now where they can hold and then you can press charges. So if you take a couple days or a week, a month to decide that if you want to press charges, you can always go back and say to the detective from the special victims unit, because that's who reports to the, the emergency room when you come in for a sexual assault and say to them, you know what, I do want to press charges. And then they will send an officer or they will themselves come and pick up the rape kit and then have that process for evidence because everything is put in the fridge or the freezer to save the evidence. The other thing to note that you will not be charged for your ER visit. That is covered by victim's compensation. So whether you have insurance or not, it does not matter. Um, you need to go to the hospital um, and do that. And there is something called victim's compensation. So let's say you don't have insurance, any medical care, any therapy can be paid through that victim's compensation act. And even in New York, now every state is different. Like I know in North Carolina, they don't pay for lost property. 
right? But in New York, they will. If there's property that was tied up into the assault and maybe have, might have been damaged, they will replace that. And so their savvy advocate, the social worker can help you fill out that application, but generally the savvy advocate can help you follow up with that and follow up with special victims unit on what's happening. And then you have, like I said, the Family Justice Center, which is associated with the court system. And they can also point you in the right direction and support you. There are a lot of resources out there so that if you yourself don't feel empowered in that moment, but your friend or your support hears this podcast, at least they have the resources and they know how to support you and walk you through um, that. And so that's that's all I wanted to say. And I know that um, Queen P wanted to mention male sexual assault and, and, and just discuss a little bit about that. Yes. So while I was listening to you, and this is why we love having our special guests on, because the conversation takes on a life of its own, right? While you were speaking Queen H, what came to my mind also, I know I said earlier, uh, not to shower. If you come straight to the emergency room after you've been assaulted, do not shower. Also, do not brush your teeth. Do not gargle. Mm, Try not to drink any water. Um, Especially if someone has put something into your mouth. Oral penetration is a thing. And so just be mindful of all of the places your body has had contact. And I know it's a lot because something's happened to you and you're like, what is going on? Right? The shock stays with you, that initial shock. And so just be mindful not to, um, to shower, not to change your clothes, not to uh, rinse your mouth or drink anything until you've actually been examined. And then of course you can have food and all of those things, but that's also something that should be included. And so I guess we'll come up with a list of things not to do <laughs> if you go into the emergency room so that everyone can have that in one place. Um, so sexual assault. I had a male patient come in who had been in jail at some point and had been assaulted in jail and uh, sexually assaulted in jail. Let me clarify. And upon his release, I believe he went into some kind of other congregate setting. And he came into the emergency room one day because he said that he had the same feeling he had when he was assaulted in jail. And he alluded to the fact that he was sexually assaulted in this congregate setting. And we ended up doing a kit for him. And, um, you know, we went through the entire process. Um, It so happened that he was not necessarily compliant with his mental health medication. And so um, there were some challenges uh, with the police department because instead of just taking the fucking report and doing their job, they want to question this man. Oh, well, he not taking his meds. He must be sick. He must be X, Y, and Z, X, Y, and Z. So I had to let it off on them. And of course, we needed to advocate for the patient to get what it is he needed and to make sure that follow-up was done. And we were able to do that successfully. So I would say to people who have this experience or are going through this experience, tell your truth, no matter what. Because there's always a way to escalate things. It don't matter in the moment what people are telling you, it may make you feel terrible. Like you don't matter, but you matter. 
raise your voice. Everybody got a boss. Everybody got a supervisor. Everybody is responsible for somebody else. Everybody's responsible to somebody else. So go ahead and let out whatever it is you need to let out. Tell people what happened to you when you are able, when you feel well enough to have that conversation, you know, and say what you need to say, because the police will not always believe you. The police will not always uh, be supportive. They won't always handle you with kick gloves. They won't always give you what it is you need in that moment. And what you need is a listening ear and some support. You need people to do their job. That's it. Y'all are supposed to be courteous, protect, and be respectful. So do that when you're dealing with people who've experienced this trauma, because it's not easy at all. That's it. I second that. And I feel like there actually been a, quite a bit of cases like that that we've come across. So I think all in all, hopefully we were able to convey the resources, the delicate nature of the situation, that there are nuances to it. This can cause confusion. However, that regardless of the fact that there are resources out there to support you in this process and that you always have an advocate at the hospital. And that's to know that you do. Yes. So so any final words, Queen S, before we wrap it up? No, thank you so much for having me. Oh, thank you for coming on. Um, we appreciate it so much. And um, yeah, it's it was a it was a great discussion. And I'm, you know, just so happy for you and your new role and how you're expanding and growing. We're proud Yay. of you, girl. Thank you. <laughs> Well done, Queenus. Thank you. If you guys want to connect with us on social media, you can follow us on Twitter at the Queens of Social Work Pod or on Instagram at the Queens of Social Work. If you want more information on the topic we discussed today, feel free to check out our show notes or email us at thequeensofsocialwork at gmail.com. We'd really appreciate it if you rate, review, and follow us wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening.